Welcome to Culture Factor. I'm your host, Holly Shannon. Our new season looks at creators, innovators, and entrepreneurs. Why? Because the gig economy is emerging. Talent has gone to work for themselves. Whether furloughed or part of the great resignation, they've birthed the big idea, and those 57 million Americans are contributing more than $1 trillion to the U.S. economy annually. This is what the new normal looks like. You now have a front row seat to creator culture and into the places where the magic is being made. Subscribe now to Culture Factor so your ears are treated to some of the best stories around the world. And if you take the time to rate, review, and share this, please send me the screenshot and I'll give you a shout out on my show. Please reach out if you'd like to sponsor Culture Factor. It is your opportunity to be a part of a show that is ranked in the top 2% globally and heard in over 77 countries. Email holly at hollyshannon.com to be a part of this global audience. So I would like to welcome Tina Tower to Culture Factor. How are you today? So good. Thanks so much, Holly. Thanks for having me. It's really great to have you here. I think you are the perfect person at the launch of my new season to have on here. And I definitely want to get like right into everything. Um, but I'm going to ask you maybe to share a little bit about uh, you and and your bio, your journey, because I feel that if I read your bio, it's not going to be as impactful. And I think you've had a, a <laughs> unique trajectory. So can you share? I have. Yeah, um, sure. So hi, everyone. I'm Tina. <laughs> um, I have been in business my whole adult life. So I started when I was 20 uh, as a way to pay my way through university. So I had a tutoring center. I was training to be a primary school teacher. Um, so it's, I, I had a tutoring center. I had an educational toy store and it was a seven day a week business, but I did everything quite young. I got married when I was 21 and I had my first baby when I was 24 and realized that I couldn't run a business like that anymore <laughs> so had to find different solutions with how to how to work that out and so I went into licensing uh, so I took the curriculum that I designed in our tutoring centers started licensing that to teachers around Australia and then I started franchising uh, because they wanted to have like the whole kit and caboodle and so I ran a franchise system for six years um, and we grew to 35 locations throughout the country and then started getting offers for international and I realized that I was not the right person to kind of take it to that next level it wasn't the life that I wanted to lead um, and that was a really interesting thing to discover going you know, sometimes what we dream of and what we think is in our head when it actually happens, we go, oh no, this is, this is not, this is not the life for me. Um, and so I sold that company in 2016 and then I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. And so we sold everything up and we traveled around the world for a year. So my husband and my two kids, and we went traveling, we went to 28 countries, which after the last two years of rolling lockdowns, I am so grateful for. Uh, we got back just in time. Um, but then while, it was, while we were doing that, 
I kind of tripped and fell into the world of online courses. So it was supposed to be just something that I was dabbling in until I found my next real business, my grown up business. Um, And I fell head over heels in love. And I am now pretty obsessed with the online businesses. I've just written a book about it, Million Dollar Micro Business. And I work with women to package their expertise into online programs and and scale it throughout the world. So it's something that I love. And so, yeah, it's been 17 years in business now and I've done lots of different things. That's me in a nutshell. I love this for so many reasons, (laughs) so many great little things to unpack here. Let's start with your book uh, because that's the latest thing that just came out. So first of all, the title is so captivating, Million Dollar Micro Business. Fantastic. So you walk through the process from soup to nuts or is this more of it? Okay. So yes, I was going to say, because some of these books can be, um, equal parts, um, the, the, the how to and the motivational, and some of them are more just motivational. And yeah. I think when we don't have a lot of time on our hands and we invest in a book, we mm. we want we want to be taken there and have all of the tools. So totally do you share and- that. Yeah, I I am a massive book lover. I mean, I have got so much education from books. It still amazes me that for like twenty dollars, you can get the top thought leaders in the world, like their IP and all of their ideas and all of their things. Like it's just amazing. But I I read a lot. And one of the biggest things that I wanted to do when I wrote this book was I didn't want a book of fluff. (laughs) Sometimes, you know, I can read a book and I'm like, the first chapter is amazing. And I'm like, this is great. This is like groundbreaking and mind blowing. This is so good. And then I will get to the next chapter and I'm like, okay. So they kind of just said the same thing, but in a different way and on and on it goes with this whole book with this one little concept. Um, And so I wanted to have a book that was incredibly useful. I wanted someone to be able to pick it up and go, I'm not sure whether course creation is for me, whether I have an idea that's worth it or whether this is something that I should pursue and then be able to take that and follow all of the steps as they go through and actually finish with a course produced now that is the money i love that yeah that's really great and i agree with you i love reading and i consider them like mini master classes i don't know why more people don't do it because it's some of the most incredible minds publishing these books Well, the hard part is that you don't like, and this is the conversation I have with the publishers too, is I wanted it to be a really practical guidebook, but I didn't want it to be boring. So I didn't want it to just be chapter two, do this. This is how you do this. So that was a challenge in going, how can I make it entertaining? How can I like inject the inspiration and the motivation in there, but also have it really practical. So we have a lot of like my story and a lot of my failures Put in there, which are quite entertaining at each part. And then a lot of success stories from great course creators are in there too, to try and kind of pep it up a little bit. So it's not just how to. I love that so much. And um, I definitely, not to jump ahead, but I do 
I do plan to put that in the show notes so everybody can easily access that. Um, So, you know, let me jump in a little bit. I had read that you left home at 13, which you left out of the bio when you gave us your little (laughs) synopsis. That's a a, a really... um, that's a really tough piece right there. And I think it probably speaks to how you developed as a young woman and as a business person. Could I ask you to tap into that, go back in time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, um, look, it's become something now that is just part of the story. Like it just, I, I actually in a way feel a bit disconnected from it now and going, yeah, that was really bad and that was really tough, um, but it was also a really long time ago. Um, and, you know, there's always the scars that follow through from that that come up. And, I mean, everyone, this is the thing that I've found, is nearly every adult has some sort of trauma that they've been through in their life that will come up at the most inopportune times <laughs> but for me I came from a really quite tumultuous household um, my parents divorced when I was one and they hated each other um, like hated each other and so it caused a lot of friction back and forth um, I had five brothers that um, you know a few of them were really rough and like physically abusive and then my mum was quite emotionally abusive and so I left when I was 13 and you know I didn't come back for just over a year um, and just had to kind of find my own way with that and so you know I I am very acutely aware that a lot of people had it way worse than than what I had um, I still grew up in a really good neighborhood I had access to to amazing teachers, which is what made me want to become a teacher in the first place. I had so many people that lifted me up in in the wider community and made me believe in myself. And so I am very grateful for that. Um, But it it also made me very hungry for success. And so I found Anthony Robbins when I was about 14, 15, and just you know like some people find religion I found personal development (laughs) I was sold like hook line and sinker I was just like this is for me if I can dream it I can achieve it okay Anthony I am there (laughs) that's fantastic Um, yeah. yeah. And so I really, um, you know, I started reading a lot of Anthony Robbins and it's old school now, but a lot of Oak Mandino and Robert Kiyosaki and just really went like right into this whole personal development world and trying to figure out, you know, what sort of life I wanted to lead and how I could design that and what sort of things I had to do in, in order to, to get that. And now at 37, like, it took me a whole lot longer than what I anticipated, but my life's pretty beautiful. That is such a great story. And, you know, I felt bad for a second there that I dragged you back because I, <laughs> I I had an interview with somebody recently who had gone through addiction and mm. he had said, you know, I don't really like to bring that up in my story because it does not define me. It's not uh, who I am. And I think I just landed on that line in my head as you were saying that and describing that that part of your life does not define you. Um, What I love from your story, though, and what I take away from it is that your personal development and your uh, tenacity 
to um, push through and create and dream sounds to me like it became the foundation of your consulting business and what you teach other people. So um, I am sorry I brought up a sorry, not sorry at the same time now. No. <laughs> well, I don't, I actually don't mind being asked about it and talked about it. Cause I do think that sometimes, sometimes I think that people will stop themselves from doing things and going after their dreams because they feel like because of their past that they can't. Um, and, and I do love to, to be able to say, you know, it actually doesn't matter where you came from. I mean, in some countries, yes, but in Australia, in New Zealand, in Canada, in the U S like if these are the, the lands that if you actually do want to dream badly enough, you can find the opportunities. You can make that happen. We're really lucky to live in the countries that we live in where, opportunity is accessible no matter what your past is very well said very well said uh i'd love to go back to one thing because prior to writing your book is when you traveled is that correct to yeah, 20, yeah. 20 countries in nine months so a couple of things there i it sounds to me like you found the um what's the words i want to use like you found the framework for um, sharing with people how to have a digital nomadic life or mm -hmm. to have a digital life that allows them to do whatever they want, even if they're not nomadic and traveling. Um, yes. So could you share with us um, how that came together and, and then how it progressed into your book? Yeah, so... What happened was when we went on our trip, I had a whole lot of people asking me to coach them because I just had a multiple seven figure sale of my business and I had a whole lot of people in my networks that wanted to build their service-based businesses and sell them. And so they wanted coaching on that. And I thought that would be a really nice way to stay kind of in the game while I figured out what was next for me. I wasn't really ready to drop off the face of the earth yet. Um, and so I said, yeah, like I'll, I'll do some coaching. And what I found was, although everyone was really unique and had these unique businesses, every call I would have like this moment where I was going, oh my gosh, like I just said that. We just went through that. This is exactly the same. And private coaching is expensive. So I was like, we could take all of the commonality stuff, put it into a program that you can access at any time. And then when we have our private sessions, we can really drill down into the things that are specific for you. So we get more out of that time. And so that is kind of how I started. That's when I found Kajabi, the software that I use for my online programs and was like, okay, this platform will work for this. And then by the time we got to Thailand, I thought, a lot of my clients were asking me how I actually set up the platform itself and how I distilled the information into a program and on all of that sort of stuff. So I was like, I'll make a course about making a course and we'll see how that goes. And so kind of like didn't put all of that much thought into it. We filmed it in a week while we were sitting in this gorgeous house in Thailand and I did a launch. It was my first like live launch um, and it made $11,000 and I was nice. floored. And nice. I know... Well, $11,000, like in terms of course creation, you know, you hear people throwing around, I did a six figure launch and a seven figure launch, <laughs> like all these things. It's not yeah, I hate that, those that people. Much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but for me, like 
anyone listening who has ran a service-based business or a product-based business knows you work hard for that dollar. Every dollar you are putting in time. It's either your time or your staff's time. Like the only way to grow a business is to either work harder or hire more people. Um, And so for me, it was like revolutionary in going, huh, $11,000. And now I don't have to deliver anything. Like it's already there. It's done. Like it just, it blew my mind. And so then I was there going this this is a thing. And I had been following like all of the great course creators like Amy Porterfield and James Wedmore. And I'm not ashamed to say a part of me was like, bullshit, you can't make that work like that. Like, how does that even work? Because what I had done for the previous 14 years in business was so different to that. And so I really got intrigued by this whole notion and and could we throw out traditional business and really adopt this new way of doing it? And is it actually scalable or is there a lot of smoke and mirrors and how do we leverage what we've got and are we going to end up creating something that's going to end up needing, you know, 10 staff? And like, so I looked at it as a really beautiful experiment. And as we kept traveling and it kept growing and I was like, this is incredible and an on, ongoing joke in my family was mum's mood is directly determined by the strength of the wi-fi in the country that we're in <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome yes yeah, so I, I would say that to anyone wanting to live a nomadic life is make sure you choose good internet connection and it's the weirdest places like I remember doing a live on the back of a camel in the middle middle of the Moroccan desert where we had like 75 megabits per second but then in Paris we had like four and just going how does this work um so yeah in uh, it was like a tour of the world's internet connectivity (laughs) I love that (laughs) story yeah it's just (laughs) it makes a big difference um but yeah then when we came back and you know had all of these massive great plans and then the pandemic hit and so that was interesting in itself in going okay well now we've we've literally been grounded but it just grew so much because you had all of these people that now couldn't run live events that couldn't run live consulting that couldn't do all of the things that they were used to doing in person that had to take all their knowledge and put it online and so you know it was it was a really great time to be able to grow that and be able to help people to package all of the knowledge that they had while everyone was at home just digesting all of this information often asked, does my business need a podcast? My answer is yes, that nothing else is the fast track into thought leadership and being established and seen as the expert in your industry as podcasting. What's increasingly evident is that it's a branding machine. It kicks doors open for you to have conversations with leaders. It creates a pathway to partnerships and connections on a deeper level. You will not be your industry's best kept secret. Your ideas and business will have global reach. So step into your power. Go to hollyshannon.com to launch your podcast now. And now back to our interview. You see, Tina, like I, I don't think I recorded this part for everybody, but I said to you at the beginning that 
what you do really relates to uh, the trajectory of my podcast and, and where I've headed yeah. with it. So this brings us right to consultants and coaches, which thank mm. you for walking into that conversation. <laughs> uh, so nice neat segue. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, my podcast now is addressing the gig economy, which mm. is filled with a lot of coaches and consultants, whether they be business coaches or you know, whatever line of work they're in, health coaching, yeah. you, you, you know the drill. I'm sure, sure you've talked to thousands of those people now. Yeah. So I think it's really amazing that you offer this course and the book to break it down because I think that a lot of my community that is now challenged with creating such things is looking for yes. that how-to guide that gets down and dirty in the weeds that's not fluff like you said like not inspirational um yeah. to the point where every chapter is a variation on the same conversation of inspiration so yeah and even a lot of the you know when i started and i started doing courses to help my skills and so many of them and i'd see people coming out that were you know so excited and had their vision and had their mission statement and all of these things but with left they're going okay, but what do I actually do? <laughs> how, how do I actually make the thing? <laughs> exactly. And, yeah. And so, yeah, I like to show people the, the practical. And I think that comes into, you know, I'm super pragmatic and um, I come from a franchising background. So I'm really systems orientated and going, okay, here's how we can do more in less time and actually get the result that we need to get in order to live the life that we want to lead. That's so well said. You know, I, I, we're a little parallel on the book part of it because uh, when I had written my book, and this is not a story of me, but when I had written mine, it was that same concept. Like, how do I get people literally from zero to podcast without yes. all of the fluff and inspiration and condense that down into roughly like 60 pages of yeah. this these are the <laughs> steps and when you are done you have what you're looking for and that's what you've done with million dollar micro business and i think that that is so critical for people to know um i i wanted to go back you know you had said it made eleven thousand dollars now i have seen all over linkedin i see it all over clubhouse i see it all over twitter spaces and facebook where people like to talk about how they made six figures seven figures as a consultant and they make it seem like it's overnight and that's why i chuckled back when you said that because there's a lot of that language out there and it's disorienting yeah. almost for somebody who wants to get into it it's not uplifting it's yeah. not um wow this is like a personal development moment it's actually scares people yes. away i feel like like oh i'm never gonna mm. get there and so they throw in the towel so that's why i kind of chuckled when you brought that up because i was really happy that you gave like the truth serum there like i made eleven thousand dollars like that that's where the joy was and that's where it sort of came yeah. alive for you, you know? yeah and like touching on that too so when it does look like it's overnight, it either isn't. There's a lot that they, that you haven't seen before. So even with my with my eleven thousand, 
that came about because I didn't have a list of zero. I didn't have zero exposure. I'd been spending the previous five, six years as a really prominent um like prominent part of the Australian business community. So I'd been building my personal brand. I'd done a lot of speaking. I had a lot of media. Um, So I wasn't starting from zero. And sometimes when you start from zero and you make a hundred dollars, you're in the game. Like that is amazing. And that gives you a really beautiful foundation to build from because the best thing about online courses is that it's, it's a fast growth trajectory. So in my traditional business, it took seven years, eight years to, to make a million dollars. In my online business, it took 19 months. And so the, the trajectory of that is a lot, lot faster. So the two ways to do it is either to build your personal brand and let time do its thing, consistently show up, serve people really well, get really great testimonials and let that compound Or when you see people pop up overnight and they're like, I did a six-figure launch, they probably spent an equal amount of money on Facebook advertising. So the most important thing is how much money did you make? (laughs) Again, well said, well said. You know, um, one of the other things I wanted to bring up, so you have your podcast and I was listening to your latest one and it really struck a chord and this is why I wanted to bring this up because being a business owner and a course creator um, and feeling really happy that you created this, um, I think a lot of entrepreneurs, freelancers, Uh, Mm. people who have a side hustle, passion project, solopreneur, whatever name you want to give them, um, they constantly are reshaping what they've created. And and like they start with their big idea, they build, build, build the website, the podcast, the personal branding, they hire people, they don't hire people, they, they build something and then all of a sudden they see in front of them that they need to take a sharp right or a slight left. Um, And so they're back to rebranding and reshaping and redoing things. So this was a long story long, and I'm sorry, but what I was trying to get to is you said, as frustrating as it sounds, there is no right way. The right Mm -hmm. way is the right way for you right now. This will change from season to season and quarter to quarter and from year to year and you have the right to change your mind. So this was out of your mouth. I just quoted you. I want you to know, (laughs) um, I too, because I'm always building stuff, I felt like all across the world we're gonna have, because we have like 82 countries listening to this podcast, it's gonna be a collective exhale right now. It's always a weird thing when you get quoted back to yourself. I'm like, yeah, that sounded really good. Thanks, Holly. <laughs> so, so that said, uh, many entrepreneurs experience having to uh, rebrand themselves maybe multiple mm. times and change mm. their launch strategies. So why are you doing it if you're having all this success? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. And this is, so for anyone listening, that was um, episode 145 of Her Empire Builder podcast. Um, And I talked about why I'm changing direction. And there is a lot of different reasons 
why. One of them is I do think that at every season you've got different priorities. And for the back end of the pandemic here, um, I have done more work than I have in years and years and years because there's literally been nothing else to do. So it's just been <laughs> me buried in a computer screen, making systems, doing the back end, doing podcast interviews, coaching sessions, all of that sort of stuff. And next year I want to fly. Like I've already got three trips to America booked in, Costa Rica. We're running a retreat in Palm Springs, like all of these amazing things because I want to get the fun back in it. I want to feel alive again. I want to actually enjoy everything that I've built. And I got to the stage where, and this was the catalyst for that episode that I recorded was my business coach asked me, so I just put out million dollar micro business. It hit the bestseller list. We've hit a million dollars in the year, like all of these amazing things. And she's like, do you feel successful? And I said, no. And to me, that was really sad. And so I went into this kind of introspective bubbling going that's terrible like why what is wrong with you and for me it was that I felt like I'd lost my freedom of time I was you know delivering a lot of things to a lot of people and I after my service-based business swore I would never get there again would never get into that stage of overwork where I was doing 10-hour days and all of this sort of thing and lo and behold because we'd been locked down we're on week 15 of lockdown here in Australia that I just got back into that habit of working all the time and so consciously had to go, okay, next year, I'm not going to grow my mastermind anymore. So I have a mastermind that has a hundred members in it. And we were looking at the option of keep live launching that and take that to 300 or 500 members, but I've decided to cap it at a hundred and keep it really intimate and really special because I think that's where the magic lies. So we've taken the focus off the mastermind, made that more exclusive and going to live launch our short programs uh, and put all of the kind of outside marketing effort onto those. So that is the change of direction. And that's kind of why. Wow, that's beautiful. And and I love the honesty. I think a lot of us, a lot of entrepreneurs and people just, you know, jumping into this economy, the gig economy, um, yeah. we, we, we are, you know, a staff of one, you know, yeah. one of one. And so we have to do everything from building and branding and being the face of and the voice of, and it's exhausting. It's yes. exhausting. Yeah. I, I probably spent 12 hours today in front of my computer and I say, I'm not going to do that, but yeah. I'm guilty <laughs> of doing it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And we've got to have, and this is one of the hard parts too. And this is, you know, when you bring up my childhood, this is where I know it's fueled by that is, you know, for a lot of people, and especially I find this trait really common in successful entrepreneurs is we are very driven by our need to achieve. And we get a lot of our self-worth from our business achievements. And that can be really good fuel up until a point, but it's really unhealthy to continue being fueled by that because we end up burnt out and we end up exhausted and then we've got nothing else to give to the world. And it's a really hard thing when you've come from nothing because you do know you do know what it feels like to be broke. You know what it feels like to struggle. And I know for a lot of people they go through that and it feels really scary 
to then say no to opportunities and go, actually, I'm at my capacity. I'm going to say no to that and then get over that fear that if you say no, everything's going to end and everything's going to come crashing down. And so we end up in this overwork cycle. And that's where I get myself time and time again and have to remind myself, no, you are safe. You are okay to say no. Like, chill it out, man. (laughs) That is great. That is great. So when you start to travel... Uh, you, it sounds like you already have a little bit of an itinerary starting yes. to come together. Um, will Where in the U.S. will you be, actually? Yeah, so I'm running a retreat in Palm Springs in March, and then I'm going across to Florida for a book launch in Miami, and then I'm going to a retreat in Costa Rica, and then I'm coming back and running another retreat in Palm Springs in April just before Coachella. <laughs> And then then I'll be coming back home and then I'm going to Fiji and then back to the U.S. again. Uh, Like it's just, yeah, I will be, I will be flying. I love that. I I was going to, I was sort of hopeful. My fingers were crossed as you were saying this, that you were going to end up in Washington, D.C., but I didn't hear you say that. (laughs) No, but I might come back there again because I love Washington. Like it is beautiful. Very cool. Well, maybe I can coerce you uh, since my my background is in the event space. Maybe I could be behind helping you make it happen. We might have to have a book launch there because, see, this is the crazy thing is like it's always been a dream. You know, for a lot of your listeners there, I know they're all over the world, but a lot of them will be in the U.S. And in Australia, the dream is to like make it in America. And so when I finally, my first book didn't get picked up in the US. My second book, Million Dollar Micro Business, is there now. It's in Barnes and Noble. It is in Target. And I am not there to see it. And it's driven me crazy that I've finally got a book there and I can't see it on a shelf. So even though the book will be like six months old and not a new release anymore, I still want to come and run like book launch parties there and just hope that people will come. So I'm might do that with you in DC, Holly. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it'd be really fun. Maybe we can try and plan some sort of uh, Instagram live or yes. something like that. And I'll go to Target and get your book yes. or something like that where we can like film it. So you're like, it, you're there, but you're not there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's been dropped out now, like for the first, for its new new release week it was in Barnes and Noble in Times Square and I was just like what no (laughs) but now it's not there so they dropped it drop it out really quick um for the new releases but I would just go there with a book and put it on the shelf and just relive the moment (laughs) oh I think we could come up with some way like where you're holding it and we're standing (laughs) in just the right spot that it looks like it's actually up on a building like we can play spatially with our cameras i'm there for you (laughs) yeah so if anyone is throughout the world and they see the book on the shelf if you could send me a picture oh my god i would lose it yeah (laughs) we're we're gonna do that okay everybody heard that my culture factor family so everybody please 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 take a picture of yourself with million dollar micro business and waving hello to tina tower (laughs) and uh we will definitely i'll post that on mine as well as yours so whatever we can do yeah so this was great tina thank you so much for coming on culture factor 
Thank you so much. I love your work and I love how we cross paths. I mean, it's just such a beautiful illustration of, you know, you never know where the opportunities are coming from. We met on, on Clubhouse of all things. So yeah, it's an important thing for everyone to get out, get seen, do their thing, share their message. I agree. That is a nice way to close it. So I will put all of the links that you give me in the show notes that people know how to find you. And um, of course, when this launches, we'll, uh, we'll put that on all social media and maybe people will add their pictures by then. So if Yay! anybody grabs the book before, the, had grabbed this book and, and wants to post it, we'll continue to share the, the love in the US for you. Amazing. Thanks so much for having me, Holly. Thank you, Tina.